I, I know all of us feel the same way. I want to start off the year well and do it right, not because it's just January 1st and we can. And I remember Pastor Denoff used to say all the time, he, he would tell me, he said, I really don't like New Year's resolutions. He, he used to tell me that because he said it's like we wait to that day to start doing right. And he said, just do right now. You know, you know how that, that the whole mindset is, I'm going to start a diet next week. Well, if you need to start a diet, you should start now. You know, it's like it's, but that's, that's our mindset. It's put it off and maybe at the beginning of the year, I'll start reading my Bible. I'll start doing those things and, and those things aren't right. But it is kind of a, a new slate, a new beginning. And we have those things. And a lot of people make these New Year's resolutions. To be honest, there's probably those that have already broke those New Year's resolutions. It's already come to pass. And when you think about the things that I want in my life, and, and, and thinking spiritually and, and with depth, and, and I thought about my prayer life, and I, I hope you think this way too, about, Lord, I, I really didn't do that great of a job praying for the needs of others or even praying for myself. And Lord, when I evaluate my Bible reading, we did that in our, our class this morning, we were talking about some of the things that we've decided to do, of how we neglect those things that should have been there all along, but we've let those kind of things just slip away and and, and I, I know we all feel that way. And we, let me say that there should be that inner drive inside of you. And I, I think that's why I want to bring you to this verse to show you this. And today I'm just bringing you through the introduction because next week we're going to dive into this. But I want to kind of lay the foundation for you to get the idea of where we're going with this. But as Christians, there should be a drive, a, a, a hunger to want to do better, to, to achieve, to accomplish Every, every single time that we do something, we should be the idea of, Lord, how can I honor you and how can I glorify you with my prayer life, with my children, with my, with my spouse, with, with, with what I do? If you don't have that kind of drive inside of you, I'd, maybe you should examine your life. You say, well, what do you mean? Let me read this with you. Let me, let me show you the Spirit of God. As Christians, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Because we belong to God and we have God living inside of us, this is what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God. You belong to God. And he takes it to the next level and he makes it personally. Little children, the relationship, the, the, the God, he said, you belong to me, you are my children, the desire that I have as your father for my children. I, 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 and I think I had that thought, I was, I was, I was getting into this whole series, I thought, when I think about my kids and what they want in their life, and I sit back and let me tell my kids what I want for their life. Let me tell you as a dad how much the dreams that I have and the direction and the, the guidance and all the things that I do, if you would learn to submit and follow me as your dad, not that I'm perfect, but let me say in this example, you'll never go wrong following your heavenly father. You'll, you'll never go wrong following in his word and his precepts and his direction. Little children. And they have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know what you're facing or what got you down or what you drug with you into the new year. But let me tell you, God has not given us a spirit of defeat. He's given us a spirit of victory. Amen. The spirit of God living inside of you is a spirit that helps us to overcome. It doesn't matter how big or how ugly or how bad or how sinful that was that you had and you faced God has said, you little children, let me tell you, you are not able to overcome, but as, as Christians, you have the ability to overcome those things in your life. You do. It is a natural thing for a believer to want to do better, to excel, to exceed, and to do and grow. 
I often believe, or I believe often that we, we endeavor to do what's right, but the reason we fail so much is we're too consumed with what we want rather than what God wants. And I believe I speak of all of us when I say that. We just finished this season in our church, which was great. It was awesome. I, I, I can't stop thanking God for the decisions made, the people that came all the things that God did and, and, and the goal that we had of re- witnessing and reaching the loss and all these things. But can I tell us as a church family, as you sit here this morning, there also needs to be seasons where we step back and we focus on our spiritual lives. Not, not that we don't always, but have you guys noticed that there was almost a, a season of um, being tired? When you run a race, at the end of the race, you've you got to stop, and you've got to breathe, and you've got to rest, and you've got to eat before you can run the race again. And then the Bible talks about there being seasons. And sometimes we find that people run so much that they're so exhausted that they end up falling out rather than stopping and setting back to, to restore themselves. And, and I believe that the beginning of the year as we get into this, and me and the other guys have been talking a lot about what should we do, what should we give, what should we preach with the idea of restoring and rebuilding and refocusing on our spiritual walks to examine our walk with God and our, our homes and our families and our ministries and everything else. So I, I, I want to bring you to a passage in the Old Testament that's not going to make sense when it comes along with this theme, but in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and still by the idea of introduction this morning, I, I want to walk you through this passage, and we're going to do it twice. I'm going to walk you through God's desire for our life and let me show you what God's desire is and then we're going to do a self-test at the end of it and examine and I, I don't have points I promise as I was laying this out and I began to get the points and I stepped back and I was laying out the foundation and the idea of direction of where we're going this is the way the Lord led let's read the first part of this and then we'll pray what is God's desire for our life Psalm 23 verse 1 the Lord is my shepherd And listen to this, underline this, I shall not want. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this time of um, study and and, and reading your word and preaching, and Lord, I pray, Lord, that the word of God will affect our lives, Lord, that you will convict and help us to see this. Lord, your desire for us is so incredible, it's so deep, it's so passionate. And Lord, if we would just realize the thing that you have for us, if we would just get a hold of the very things that you have in store for us, Lord, it would change us so much. We would look at our life and realize how many of the problems that we have, we struggled with and we failed, is simply because we got away from you. And I pray, Lord, that this will be a time that we can reflect and have a desire, a hunger for the things of God as we study this. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, Psalm 23, some of you are already saying, I can quote this. Sometimes there's passages that are so familiar with Scripture that we almost just breeze over them now. I'm, I started this thing where I'm starting back and I'm reading through the Bible and I'm going through. And you know what I found myself doing? When I get to passages that I know, I skim over them and keep going. I don't even stop. And then when you stop and go back, and you're thinking, wow, I never got that before. And that should be how we look at the Word of God. Never get comfortable with God's Word. But I challenge you to look at this from a different perspective. David right here got this and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Now, as we're looking at this, I have one other passage that I want to take you to, and then we'll bounce back. Look in John chapter 10. Jumping all the way in there, and as we're turning there, I, I want to explain this. David, who was a man after God's own heart, God gave, he gave God this title or this perspective in his life, and he said, the Lord is, he's my shepherd, he's my everything. And, and I hate to tell you guys this, but do you realize the reason why God compares us to sheep? Because we're dumb. <laughs> And it's, it's some of us should give a hearty amen to that, but I mean, I look back at areas and things that I've done in my life, and I think, what in the world was I thinking? How, how did I do that? I, I know better, and I, 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 I did that anyways. Think about this. New Year's Eve, 11.50 at night. I'm driving, and I'm speeding, and I'm not thinking, because all I'm doing is engaging in this conversation. And Jenny says to me, she says, you know, I would think that there would be cops out everywhere. I was like, oh, yeah. And as I'm saying that, there's blue lights in my mirror. And I'm thinking, I know that. And I, I, not that I just know not to speed. Okay, that's wrong. You don't speed. But especially on New Year's Eve at midnight. My ticket says 11.52, and I'm like, that's like the screaming, dummy, slow down, you don't do that. And I wasn't, I wasn't speeding a lot, by a lot, and I wasn't, it wasn't reckless or anything like that. But the thing is, they're out to stop people, especially during that time that so much other stupid stuff is going on the road. We do dumb things. And some of you are looking back at your life with financial and decisions and everything and saying, I've done a lot of dumb things. We just realize that our Heavenly Father has it worked out. He knows what we need and He knows how to get us there. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he desires for His sheep to be saved, to be fed, to be healthy, to be rested. The shepherd could see beyond what they could see and he would guide them and he would protect them. And when there was something wrong, he would guide them the other way. Every aspect of this, God was in control. And God had what was best for the sheep. He would lead them to areas that was good for them. Now listen, if they would follow, he would comfort them. He would care for them. When they would stumble and they get hurt, he would pick them up and he would carry them. And in John chapter 10, and the reason why I want you to see this in verse 11, he takes it further explaining the passion and desire of this shepherd. Jesus says about himself, he says, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for a sheep. I want you guys to see, you're thinking, shepherd, sheep, who does he care? It's just a bunch of dumb animals. Not when you're looking at a father loving his children. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not. See if the wolf cometh and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep, and the hireling fleeth. Because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. But notice, jump down to verse 14 and look at the relationship here. He said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known of mine. He said, I, this is a two-way relationship that I have with them. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. Deep, passionate, sacrificial relationship that the shepherd has for the sheep. The shepherd has this great relationship and this great desire for the sheep. Looking back in Psalm 23 and verse 2, as we read through there, let me show you what the great desire that God has for us. He says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He says, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a king, I'm a leader, I, I have all these things going on. And he said, let me tell you about my God. He says, he knows where he brings me at times. And he says, guys, it's time to sit, it's time to stop, it's time to rest, it's time to rebuild yourself. It's time to focus on yourselves, to build yourself up. He leadeth me. If I, if I had your Bible right now and you're marking a Bible, I'd, I'd circle those words. He leads me. He directs me. He, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God says, man, I'll show you where to go. Some of you are sitting there saying, man, how did I end up there in a mess? If you're in a mess, God did not lead you there. Stop blaming God. I'm not saying if you're going through a trial, we're going to see that here in a minute. I, I, I know we go through a trial, but if you cannot hear the voice of God, then you got yourself there yourself. And America is doing this as a whole. And I, I, I can't believe there was an article that I read that says things that you should expect in 2015 of changes and things that are going to happen. And it makes me sick. He doesn't say that he restores my life. He restores my soul. God, in the relationship that I have with him, restores the inner man of who you are deeper than the superficial outward this is a real passage. Get, get how he goes on with this in verse 4. Yea, listen. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff. Now listen to this. They comfort me. The desire of God is peace in the midst of problems. The desire of God is to overcome the fear that we face in our lives. That is the desire of God. The desire of God is for us to dwell in his presence. He says, I will fear no evil. And he says, why? For he is with me. And bring this home. And I mean, we, we can sit there and say, man, this, this sounds great. This is awesome how personal God made this. And the confidence that the sheep had in the shepherd. Verse 5, listen how deep this goes. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... The last thing you're thinking about when opposition is coming in your life, and, and I, I, my, my heart goes out to Rick and Fawn and I, through, through this thing, and I'm trying not to bug Rick, but I'm texting him and, and just telling him and this, and, and he was telling me, he said, Tony, God has been so good, and, and he's, he was bragging on God of the little things that was going on and stuff like that, and, and I'm thinking, how is that possible in the middle of the opposition as Satan and the world is going after you, God sits you down and puts before you a, a spread that is unbelievable, and in the spread that we're usually looking at, we're picking up when we're hurting and we're dying and we're, we're frustrated in life is usually the garbage of this world. And he says, you know what, when I'm following the shepherd, he sits me down and he prepares his table before me of everything that I don't deserve. But he gives it to me in the middle of my opposition. A table of blessings. Listen to this. He said, thou anointest my head with oil. Now, for us, that's uncommon. I would not walk into your house and dump oil on you without you thinking I'm crazy. But that, that was a, the symbol of the outpouring of the, either the Spirit of God when they anointed David. And David knelt down and he said, God has chosen you. And he said, the presence of God is with you. And that outpouring of that. 
when, when outpouring of the oil upon it, or outpouring the, the presence of God, when I feel like I don't deserve it, and, I'm, and I've messed up, and I'm undeserving of it. And God says, no, I still pour out my presence with you. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyways. And then he says this phrase, my cup runneth over. It's not just good, but it's, it's overflowed what I can even handle. You just, some of you probably feeling like, man, I, I am running on empty and I am so dry. And I, I feel like I've got to just fight to keep my head above water. And, and I'm going to tell you, Go back to the other verse. You're never going to go through life without having problems. He prepared a table before him in the presence of our enemies. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Did you notice it's still dark valleys. It's still in the presence of my enemies. It's not that God rises and pulls us out of the bad or the problems. But he still blesses in them. The desire of God is to bless you. So you're going to say, oh, that sounds good, but I'll tell you, it's not evident in my life. Let's keep going. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness, I get. Man, you, you walk with God, and I'm following as the sheep, and I'm following the shepherd, and I, I'm walking everywhere he goes, and I'm listening to him, and he tells me to stop, and I stop, and he tells me to go, and I go, and all those things. Man, the goodness of my shepherd or my God is going to be upon me. But you know what is awesome? Is the second part of that, and his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When I am set on that path, and I'm following God in that path, guys, guess what? We're dumb sheep, and you're going to get off and do dumb things. And you're, you're going and you're obeying and you're trying to please God and all this and you find yourself over there. His rod and his staff, God reaches down in the darkness and that's his mercy. Don't always get upset. Don't get upset when God taps you or nugs you or knocks you in the head. Sometimes God has to take that stick and just knock you in the head. It's like when you wear a Bama shirt. God just says, no, put on a Buckeye shirt, dude. They're not going to laugh. It's not going to be funny. He gets his back. The only reason why some of you are here today is because God's mercy has followed you all the day of your life. And the reason why you still have your job in the middle of you not doing right all the time because his mercy, which is God holds back punishment that is deserved in your life. That is because that is God's desire. God's desire is to give you all of these things and you look at this and you think, wow. We read of God's desire. You see that the result of all of this is found in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The meaning here of I shall not want is all in one condensed phrase. Literally means, and we could put it in our day and age terminology of saying, I am satisfied. I am content. I am filled it means I don't lack, I am not being decreased, or I am not being caused to fail. Now you got to let me hit home. you got to let me drive this to where God laid this on my heart. 
I don't think this is true with all of us. And if you're like me, as you read through this verse and you're thinking, I don't have that. And I don't believe that that is true. And man, surely his goodness and his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I don't know if I've seen God's goodness in areas of my life. And, I've, and, and some of you may even have gotten a little bitter as I've read this thinking, man, that's not totally true. Because I have had no spread in the middle of my enemies. Matter of fact, they just trampled me over, to be honest. And I got this verse. Sometimes we just need to be honest with one another. And I I tell you, I'd love to get up here and say, God's goodness and God's love and da-da-da-da. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, and just keeping this with the whole sheep theme, he says, all we like sheep have what? Gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Meaning we've gotten away. I, I, I read Psalm 23. And let me tell you something about our God. And you need to know this. Our God does not drive the sheep. Never do you hear of God with a whip and driving those sheep saying, get on there. Get on. It doesn't. You'll never find that. God does not drag the sheep. Have you ever noticed that too? Nowhere in scripture are you going to sit there where he, he takes them and he grabs them by the neck and he drags them to that still waters. Some of you are maybe, maybe you're waiting for that. You're saying, man, I, I, I want the goodness and the mercy and I want all those things and I'm waiting for God to get me there. God, get me there. God says, no, why don't you follow me there? What has happened in good Christian homes where we're not experiencing the Christian life Because we're over here complaining and getting astray and going away and not having what God desires for our life. Because to be honest, we have gone astray in our lives. Let's just take it all away. Do you know why? Let's just be honest. Because sheep being dumb, we get lazy. How many of us have simply stopped doing things that we know were right because we got lazy? I'm not trying to you say, wow, that's, that's not a very fancy outlet. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to preach and tell you the absolute truth. My heart, as Tony, to your heart, there's a lot of things that are not right in our homes and not right in our church and not right in, in, in our world because Christians have gotten lazy. I don't want to do it. Do you know what I know why sometimes I go to bed without reading my Bible? So I can't believe the preacher just said that. Yes. Sometimes I would go to bed without reading my Bible. Do you know why? Because Satan was fighting me so hard. No, because I'm lazy. Because I simply allowed my flesh to be in control. And that's stupid sheep over there as God's saying hear my voice my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and you hear it on Sunday and you hear it in Sunday school and you hear it in in your Bible fellowship and you hear it in your life group and you hear it over and over again and yet we just don't do what we know to do we get lazy we don't pray with our spouses because we get lazy we don't pray with our kids because we're lazy you can blame it on the devil, you can play it on the world, and you can blame it on everybody else that you want to, but it comes down to it. We don't do what we should do because we don't want to. 
thought about it, we, we become apathetic. We step out of God's desire, what God wants for our lives, because we, we simply get complacent. And I, I, and I get it. Let, let, me, let me do a quick survey. How many of you have been in church for more than 20 years? Raise your hand. See that? And I'm, I'm not trying to put everybody else in another category, but I mean, I could have said 10 years or 5 years. When you get around something for a really long time, do you know what happens? It's new Christian will come in and they'll sing a song in the front pew and they're singing glorious day. <clears throat> One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. He carried my sins far away. I got all this other stuff. And they're sitting there, they're getting all excited. And man, that's awesome because a week ago I was on drugs and I was doing this and I was away from God and I didn't even know he loved me. That Christian's sitting there just... We have no idea what we're even saying. We're sitting there watching the screen and looking over there, and oh, she's off key again, and oh, and we're our minds are everywhere except worshiping God. So complacent, apathetic, distracted. Let me say, in the culture that we live in America today, we have become so distracted. All around us, I tell you, we can't go, <clears throat> and I, I notice this, it's like our, our, our van has a TV in it. So I'm, I'm thinking when I was a kid, our house didn't even had one TV in it, it was a big ugly box. We, we, would, we would move the two metal pieces around to get reception. And once in a while you'd get reception just because somebody was holding the thing and you would beg them, don't leave the, t- don't leave the antenna. It's, Looney Tunes this looks perfect right now, it's like... We, we, have, we have allowed ourselves to be so horribly distracted. I imagine the, the, the shepherd leading us and we're over there on Facebook. We miss out on the surely goodness and mercy. and We, live, we, we miss out on all of those things because we've gotten so distracted with, with our job or climbing the ladder or, or getting that raise or whatever it is and All of us have it. And the problems come. And good, God-fearing, God-loving marriages, good, God-fearing, God-loving churches, problems come in. Because the Bible says, without me, you can do nothing. Get that in your head. Without me as a shepherd... Go ahead and find the still waters. Go ahead and find the rest. You'll exhaust yourself trying to keep up. You'll exhaust yourself trying to do that. And that's what we find in our lives. So I want to read it again. I want to read it this time. And I want to do an examination. This is what I said by introduction. I want to set the stage for what we're going to get into for the next number of weeks. So, well, we're in church. I'm glad. And have two Bibles under your arm right now. I don't care. I'm talking to all of us right now. I, I, I don't care how wide your tie is and how early you got the church and what your perfect attendance is. You can backslide from a church pew. You can compromise being in church every single week. And I read this and God sat me down and let me tell you, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm sharing this with you. Starting over in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Here's self-examine number one. Is there spiritual exhaustion in your life? Is there spiritual exhaustion in your life? Say, this is a touchy subject, and I know what some of you are thinking. I can't believe he's going to say that because, to be honest, he just drug us through all those drama practices and being here night after night and memorizing lines and being here for practice and building this and doing this, and I, and I, I get that. You want to read your Bible? Serving God was his idea. Don't sit there and say, you start preaching on spiritual exhaustion. Everybody's going to quit ministries because they're spiritually exhausted. If we're spiritually exhausted, it's because we did something wrong, not him. He didn't call us to fail. Do you see everything that God called him to do? He said, I am not in want or I am not in need. And and, and sometimes we put these things upon ourselves. And all the disciples and the, the, the prophets and everybody that I read, they gave their life serving God. But I can tell you, when we get exhausted, it's not God's fault. Let me ask you a question. When you get tired, say, man, I had a, work, a, a bad work week. Do you quit your job? I'm sure you'd like to quit your job. And you say, no, I don't quit my job. I, it's what I do. I pay the bills. I go to work. That's, that's what I do. You, you see, it's the same thing. Is, but there's a time that we step back and rest, and there's a, a consistent diet. And I, I read this, and he said all, all the description that he said here. Listen to this. He maketh me to lie down. He, he brings me to points in his life and he says the words, stop, stop. Now, I, I, a lot of times we're looking at that saying, oh, stop when it comes to ministry or stop when it comes to parenting or whatever. No, sometimes it's maybe the busyness, the chaotic, the things that have drug us away from God. He's telling us to stop. We push ourselves in this American society that sometimes we are so busy with sports that we don't have time for church. Oh, don't say that. Oh, no, no, no. no, I'm going to say it. When we start seeing a snowball effect of it coming out in our lives and our marriages and good-hearted people are not, we need to pull back and say, whoa, what went wrong? What, what, what did I get off track? Because God says, I, I, I make you to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He brings you to the place and says, hey guys, it's time to stop and it's time to take a drink because without the living water, you will perish. And yet we walk through life and we're staggering all over the place because we're we're, we're famished. Think about your year. How often did you go without opening your Bible or doing a Bible study or praying? How often did we skip those things that God said, I lead you to, because if you don't have the drink, you're not going to make it down the valley of the shadow of death. You're not, I'm staggering all the place. And God says, I led you to the place to stop in the drink, and you didn't do what I said to do. Are you spiritually exhausted? He restoreth my soul. Does that sound like spiritual exhaustion to you? I don't think so. See, God doesn't say, he says, serve the Lord with gladness, but at the same time, he says, I'll pick you up. I'll take care of you. I'll restore you. I'll do all those things. And then he goes, 
Be careful here, listen. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let me ask you the second question. Is there a lack of righteousness in your life? Or let me put it like this, just to be blunt. Are you living in sin? Say, Pastor Tony, these are the things that do not make people want to come back to church. But the thing is, what's driving people out of church is not what the preacher is preaching of the Bible, it's sin. Do you, do you get that? It's, it's sin. What is corrupting families and homes and marriages and people and young people and college students, it's not obeying this and it's not God preaching this or preaching it through us, it's sin. And I, and I looked at that and I want you to circle these words in your Bible, the paths of righteousness, the paths you know what that is? God's saying, I have a direction that I have you to take. And it, it, is a, it is a path of what is good and what is right. And God said, I want you to stay on that path, which literally means every day, consciously, to the best of my ability. Not that I'm not going to get off and left and right, because we all do. And God nudges us and gets us back. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. You know what that, those are? God would take the staff or the rod and he'd knock the enemies away. He'd take the staff and he'd pull us back on track. God does that through the conviction of God's word and the preaching of God's word. God will pull you back because he loves you. It is the desire of God for you to live right. But there's also another path. There's the path of living in sin. And let me say this because I love you as a church, and, I, and I'm saying this to myself as I preach this as well. There's something about the fact that, first of all, we all sin. If you're going to sit there and say, oh, I've got all that taken care of, you're lying to yourself. We all sin. But let me tell you that there's something that I'm, I'm emphasizing on the path of righteousness or the direction of your life and righteousness. There also is the direction of God that we have that we get off that path and we get on our own path. And every single day on that path, every single step, we continue to live on a path of sin. And God will not bless it. And you wonder why surely goodness and mercy is not following all the day of your life. And you're wondering why I'm not having that table set before me. And I'm not wondering why my cup's not running over. And God's saying, hey, I'm over here. What are you doing over there? Let me test you with something. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? If you knowingly have bitterness in your heart against someone and you live with it, and every single day you walk up, I can't stand that person. I'll never talk to that person. I'm through with that person. I've written them off. God says, you know what? You're on a path. That's continually. Every step you took every single day, knowingly in your mind that that is not right, you do it anyways. Sin. Do you notice the other things that, all the other things that God says that is coming behind them and he blesses and he gives us and everything else that he says, that surely goodness and mercy and that prepares a table before me and I will not fear and everything else comes as a direct when I get on the right path. If you are shacked up, cohabitating, whatever you want to use as the wording to phrase it, it is sin. So I didn't come here to hear that. 
If you have gotten off the path of righteousness and you continue to live in that habit of sin, of pornography, it is sin. To live with that habit of you consistently lying to your wife, it is sin. And you cover it up and you, you do this and you have that consistent problem where every single day you know to do right. And the Bible says that I'm talking to the church here. I'm not, I'm not standing on a street corner right now preaching to, to people that are, as, that, that are not in church this morning. I'm, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm telling you that God said this is right and this is wrong. When we choose to do wrong, we choose to step out of the path of righteousness. See, a lot of us are spiritually exhausted. And I have to question and ask, what path are you walking on? Let me ask you a third question. Is there a presence of fear in your life? Because in the same passage, he said, Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. And yet we have this condition of people that sit there that are falling apart. I, I, I mean, scared of everything. I, I, I just don't know when they're sitting there and you can ask them a question and they're, they're people. And I know that they, if you're saved, you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. And the Spirit of God says, greater is He that is in you to overcome the things that we're going to face. And you know who I'm talking about. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's something you live with. How are you doing? Oh, I just, man, the world's coming to an end and I'm falling apart. I just don't know. I, I don't think God loves me and everything. There's no comfort it's just a matter of doom and gloom well, let me give you the last question is there an absence of blessings in your life verse 5 he said thou anointest my head with oil my cup Lord is running over and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever do you realize that a lot of times we think, man, I just, I wish I had, I wish I had God's blessings in my life. And God steps back and he says, let me tell you this, I wish I could put my blessings in your life. As our Heavenly Father, he loves to give it as much as we love to take it. He loves to bless his kids. And this past in two weeks, we, we, we did a lot of that as, as parents where we saved up and we bought the perfect gift and this and that and we wrapped them up and we numbered them and we sat them down and we, we gave them. There's a great joy that comes out of a parent and, and even some of the gifts that we did, they weren't even expecting. And I love that because as a dad, even, even to see my son and my daughter's joy run over and for them to see that thing that I, I want them to know how much I love them and our father our heavenly father desires to bless you in that way but I also have to tell you that he cannot bless sin let me just ask you in closing how close are you living to the shepherd are you living in the middle of God's desire for your life because I read this and I think man God has a great desire for us and I, I hope this doesn't cause you to think man I'm not coming back I, man if this is what he's going to open up and this is the can of worms that he's going to get into I, 
I can't help but look at America right now and be brokenhearted in so many ways. And I think I'm not the only one that feels that way. The, the Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation. I, I am telling you right now that the Bible also says the opposite is true as well. When we live in sin, it will destroy us as a nation. And I, I, I believe with all of my heart that God has this desire, just like he, he did when he was with Sodom and Gomorrah, and said, just find me ten righteous Find me those that will stand up and speak out. And, and I thought, man, I, I just want to be that church and that, that pastor and that t- type of family that we stand up and we challenge each other and say, listen, it's not a matter of us being uncomfortable. It's not a matter of hearing what we want to hear, but just crying out to God saying, help me to live right. Help me to be in your blessing. Help me, God, to be back in your desire for what you want from my life. Because tragedy... And problems will continue to come until we learn that the Lord is our shepherd. He is everything. And unless we learn to follow him, we will continue to be in want.